Most of you know that we've been in a conversation, a, a series called the Emo Church. That means emotionally healthy church. And we're getting it from, from a book that uh, some of us have read or others of us are just now getting into. And so as way of review, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about things like looking beneath the surface, meaning up here, top of the surface, we can look like we have it all together. We can even look like we have it all together in Jesus' name and look like we're doing so much for God and our spirituality is so great. However, once we start getting underneath the surface, God begins to reveal motives that we have or things that are in place that um, needs work. So we talked about that. We also looked at breaking the power of the past. And that's where we talked about our family of origin and maybe traits that we learned and addictions that were in our family and our family tree and how that can be broken by the power of the gospel, by the Holy Spirit living inside of you and in me. There's a reparenting that's happening. Does that sound true? Does that sound right? That as the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of us as believers, you are being reparented. You're beginning to see things like love that you've never seen before. in in your family of origin. Uh, Today we're getting to one called uh, to to live in brokenness and vulnerability. And each week I feel like the the, the room is just, everybody's just going to leave as soon as I say the title. Uh, Living in brokenness and vulnerability. This is not a popular topic. Uh, It's not on billboards in San Francisco right now. I mean, who's going to show up at work and start talking about humility and being broken and vulnerable? So just want to start us out by saying that your identity is not your strengths. And your identity is not your weaknesses. Please hear that this morning. Uh, we went through this book on the, on the retreat called the Enneagram that, you know, it, and it's good and helpful to, to kind of begin to think about and reflect on what are my God-given talents and abilities and strengths, and what are those weaknesses? And yet, if, you're not care- if I'm not careful, we begin to think that, man, my identity is just so wrapped up into what I'm either good at or what I'm not good at. And my pleasure of being a minister is to announce good news and to tell you that your deepest part of your identity, like the truest part of who you really are, is not about your strengths and it's not about your weaknesses. So today we're going to look at uh, just that paradox. The paradox, and then there's a practice. Those are our two points, paradox and practice. Uh, But the paradox is how can simultaneously you be weak and strong. I mean, which way is it? Um, are we weak or are we strong? And I want you to think about a story that's recently been in the news of uh, the, the, the rescue of those Thai boys there in Chiang Rai out of that cave. You know this story. There were 12 soccer players and the coach, and uh, the, the paradox of that whole story is that it, they, were, they were going to die. There was really no way out of there. And all of us, the watching world, is trying to wonder, we're trying to put it all together and figure this thing out. And today, as we talk about God's grace, I want you to visualize God's grace just like all those rescuers coming into that cave, exactly when it looked like they weren't going get to get out, exactly when they were in their point of deepest darkness and weakness. And my point of bringing up that story is, God's grace and God's strength and God's power 
does not flow into your strength. Your strength repels God's strength. Do you hear that? If you have strength, guess what? You don't need God's strength. Jesus said that to a group of Pharisees that said, if you are sick and can admit that you're sick, I'm your healer and you can be healed. If you're not sick, wink, wink, go help yourself. That's hard language. I get it. It's direct and I love it that it's direct. God's grace will not flow into areas where you got it together. God's grace, God's provision, God's strength, God's power flows immediately into weakness. God loves weakness. God champions our weakness. No one in the culture that I know is talking like this. Jesus talks just like this, of saying, admit your weaknesses. And so let's read our passage today where one apostle Paul is also learning about weakness and what to do with those weaknesses. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. A gentle pushback, and we do this each time because we want to stay emotionally alert and we also want to stay intellectually alert as we go through this. Let's push back on this gently and ask, what did we hear from our parents maybe growing up about weakness? I know what I heard from mine. Uh, It was pretty much, suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up. What what, what do maybe we hear from a coach? I literally heard a coach tell me one time after sliding in uh, to second base. I stole second base. I slid in. My my knees like gashed open. It's bleeding everywhere. And my coach came over to where I was there and you know I'm trying to fake it and I'm like pulling my pants down over it and then the blood's seeping through the pants and And my coach literally said, put some dirt on it. (laughs) Put some dirt on it. Um, What about at your job? How does your job deal with weakness? What about the company, the organization that you work for? And by the way, we're not saying on tomorrow morning, go into Union Square, out there in front of everybody, um, or, or go to your place of work, hobby, or school, and just announce to everyone, hey, everybody, listen to my weaknesses. That's not what we're talking about. Um, What about some of our friends that we start sharing with them? Have you ever tried this? Friends. You start sharing with them about your weaknesses. And have you ever felt an uncomfortability with the person that's looking at you? Just because you started sharing something that was uh, weak in your life? Have you ever experienced that before? Uh, Have you ever experienced a quietism from someone just because you started talking about a weakness of yours? an awkwardness that happens in that relationship. Um, What about the majority of culture around you? Songs, movies, billboards, cities. The message regarding weaknesses would be bigger is better, stronger is better, Uh, there's no room for the weak. Um, I mean, that's even the whole uh, idea behind evolution is it is literally survival of the fittest. There is no room whatsoever for weakness. We, We don't have the patience for it. No thank you. 
In the ancient world, even, it would say, you are rich because the money gods are choosing to bless you because you've made some really good decisions. Um, and if, if you excelled in sports, it's because the gods liked you. And if you were healthy, oh man, the, the, the health gods, they love you. Um, so I just want to just bring up the paradox of this passage right here where the Apostle Paul is saying, Jesus himself is a paradox. Think about God who left the best neighborhood there could possibly be, heaven itself, and chose to become a human being. Leaves the best neighborhood. Leaves the safety, the security, and encompasses himself, becomes a man, chooses to live in a real space in a real time. That's becoming weak. Think about um, God who is infinitely rich, yet being, being born and uh, Jesus who's born there, there, there's a feeding trough that, that he's lying in. What a paradox. The king of kings, God who's made everything, is stepping into your world. So you want to see what weakness looks like and humility looks like? It's, it's God becoming a man. The incarnation. Every Christmas, that should just pop right into our minds of, wow, God, your strength has come right to us. Uh, I, again, let me say that your identity is not in your weaknesses. Your identity is not in your weaknesses. Some of us are kind of arrogant, and we need to hear that we do have weaknesses, by the way. But your identity is not in your strengths, whoever's listening to that. Your identity is not in your strengths, and it's not in your weaknesses. Your identity is in Exodus chapter 15, verses 2, where it says, The Lord is my strength, and the Lord is my song. You want to summarize my life? You want to hear what I'm all about? I can tell you about my Enneagram type. I can show you pictures galore about my vacation and what I did and blah, 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 blah. But if you really want to know about my identity, he says, the Lord is my strength and the Lord is my song. Don't forget that that's your true identity, not your weaknesses and not your strengths. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, he says, Paul, the same writer, says, I can do all things because I'm so gifted. No. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is, the very Christ who's alive and living inside of me, in the midst of and tangled up with all of my weaknesses, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Confident, Confident in Christ living in you. Confident in Christ's presence with you. Abiding there to, to change maybe some of those weaknesses. Think about how Paul interacted with those in Corinth. It's recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness. I was with you in fear. I was with you with much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of the Spirit that dwells inside of me. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It's brilliant that Paul did that. 
he, he knew, he not only had emotional intelligence, but there was a spiritual intelligence where he's walking by the power of the Holy Spirit that he didn't want people to say, oh, Paul, you're so great. All your strengths, I mean, we just want to be like you. No, 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 no. It's the power of Christ working in me. That's what you see. He mentions here in uh, the, 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 the prophet Isaiah, 41st chapter, verse 10. He says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Who's going to strengthen you when, when, when you're destitute or, or, or desperate or really, really needing God's strength? He says, I am your strength. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And as Juan led us in worship so beautifully this morning, starting us out with Joel chapter 3, verse 10, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the, hear the paradox? How is that? How is it that in the midst of my weakness, I am strong? And everything that I'm going through right now that may feel like such, such pain or such loss, such disappointment that some of us go through. Um, and I think it's just fair to say, and I need to just say it and be honest, there's some of us that when we look in the mirror, we have trouble looking at who we see. Because immediately, either from family of origin or something within ourselves, our past, we just almost feel disgusted. We feel like such maybe, oh my God, it's all about my weaknesses. And here, once again, your identity is not there. It's so much deeper. It's in the love of God for you. I am your song. I am your strength. So says the Lord. Try a practice then. If that's the paradox, let's get into this exercise. Try it this week, by the way. There's this practice of what it really means to be a Christian. And what it means to, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit living inside of you who is leading you. Number one, none of us are a picture of the final product. You ever been around someone that was so pretentious <laughs> and they almost had this, this aura about them that they wanted you to feel like they were a picture of the final product? And immediately, you know, that's just not true. Ever been around that friend that you haven't been around in a long time and as soon as you see each other, for some reason, you wish they didn't, but for some reason, they just feel this need to impress you all over again. And you're like, I don't need you to do that. I, I love you. Why are you just telling me your resume all over again? Why do you feel such pressure to, to, to show me and, and almost boast about everything you've accumulated or done since the last time I saw you. I love you, not because of what you've done. Yet somewhere in us as human beings, there is that thing about us that I think, you think, we think that to be loved more, I need to show more about me that's lovable to you. And we treat God the same way. And here's the warning that says, God's strength does not come into your strength. Your strength repels God's strength. He doesn't need your strength. He wants you and I to say, I'm weak. I don't really have a resume. I don't really have a list of things here that I've done or accomplished or big dreams I want to do that's supposed to impress God. That's God's love. That's God's grace. 
And so the practice here is boasting in that grace. Not boasting in my accomplishments. Not boasting in the things that I long to do as a human being. And I have a lot of things that I long to do as a human being. And there are forums whereby we should have the ability to talk about that, yes. But what Paul is getting after here is is a humility. An ability to reveal part of oneself. Those places that are usually concealed, right? And why do we conceal? Why, why do we, Adam and Eve did this, by the way, in the Garden of Good, uh, right there, where they're putting on loin, um, or fig leaves, actually, to cover themselves, because being naked really means being intimate, not sexually, but relationally, emotionally, spiritually with one another. That's what this boasting in your weaknesses is really all about. Being able to reveal a part of myself to you and you me and the community one to another, our weaknesses together here. Listen how Paul does this in all honesty in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. He ends up saying to his young protege, Timothy, and to others reading and listening to that little epistle there, he says, I'm the worst of all sinners. That sounds like a horrible marketing strategy, doesn't it? When, when your leader, at least your spiritual coach or discipler says, I'm the worst of sinners, come follow me. <laughs> but there's power in that. Paul understood that there's power in that because he's saying, you know, follow me insofar as I'm following Christ. When I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. I'm the chief of sinners. And I'm learning to boast in God's grace, God's mercy towards sinners. Not, hey, come into our community, come into our Christian little church here and try these, do these things and, and get your morality up real high so that everybody will think you're great. The difference in Christianity and what we just said is God's grace comes inside of you, begins to live there, begins to empower you so that you see life change, yes, but you're not relying on your own strength. Or Romans chapter 7, where Paul says, The good that I want to do, the good that I know I ought to do, I don't do it. I don't do it. I end up doing the very thing I hate. Lord, have mercy on me. That's boasting in your weaknesses. That's revealing a part of yourself that maybe others wouldn't have known about you. There's always that moment in a coffee shop or somewhere where I'm interacting with someone or maybe uh, like recently I've joined a running club, which I'm loving, and it's this uncanny moment when someone realizes that I'm a minister (laughs) and they all of a sudden just like change the way that they relate to me as in I'm some holier than they are or whatever they may be feeling. And, And it's always so fun really to remind them I'm I'm a fellow traveler. I'm a fellow on a journey just like you. I've met Jesus, and oh, I'm filled by Jesus like no one has ever filled me. But don't view me more highly than you ought. I need God's grace. I need God's mercy, just like you. Verse 9. Verse 9, look at it. God's grace is sufficient God's grace is sufficient. And, and if you're like me, you, you ask a question like, in what way? 
I mean, it sounds good, right? And it is good. But in what way is God's grace sufficient? I love God's word that he tells us five ways right here. They're listed for you right here in verse 10. God's grace is sufficient. Look in verse 10. It says, in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Now, let's just take them one by one real quickly. Weaknesses. These might be experiences, circumstances, wounds that are hard to bear. You can't remove them. You can't control them. You can't do anything to get rid of them. They're just a part of your and my humanity. They're there. We are weak. Let's just say it. And I love uh, what the Bible, what the Word says to us about Jesus and how Jesus interacts with us regarding our weakness. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Wouldn't that be horrible if we really did, though? Imagine for just a second, if you'll allow me, Imagine a God or a high priest, the one that we're here worshiping right now, that as soon as some of our weaknesses were revealed, God just like turned his back on you. Just said, I can't look at you. I despise you. Praise God, that is not what's happening here. He says, we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he's without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Number two, insults. This is when people find clever ways, clever ways to put you down. And in particular, they find clever ways to insult your faith. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing you experience it quite often. I love uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 through 31, where it encourages us in the midst of these insults. He says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring about that which is, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There it is, just dropped, right there. If you're going to boast, and we all do, by the way, we all do, boast in the Lord. Find your boasting in the Lord. We just did it together as a community, as we had our community building time, an open mic time where we were shouting out and talking praises of great things that God has done. It wasn't a a, a networking time of of you pulling out your resume and mine to to see if I would hire you or you'd hire me. it's, It's a coming together, almost like a party, and saying, look what great things our God has done. That's boasting in the Lord. The third thing, hardships. Hardships. This is is when you feel forced into something. And this morning, earlier, we we were even talking about human sex trafficking, literally uh, those that are forced into that industry. Um, it, It can mean that, but it can also mean other things where you feel trapped into this hardship. You didn't plan it to go this way. 
Maybe it was abuse. Maybe as you start thinking about that family of origin, maybe, maybe not only things that were said to you, but physical, emotional, sexual, I, I don't know what's there, but hardships that you find yourself in. And it's really hard. It's really hard. And God speaks into that in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, be strong. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. I love Scripture because it doesn't say, be courageous now. Be strong now because I know you got it in you. You can do this. Fight real hard now. Try harder next week, okay? Let's get all pumped up and riled up and let's go get them. He says, be strong and be courageous because I am with you. That's your strength. That's your song. In the midst of those hardships. The fourth one is persecutions, wounds, abuses, acts of prejudice, acts of exploitation, being unfairly treated. And here's another promise, Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2, that says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I need this, God. I need your strength. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love this. This is your identity. This is where your strength comes from in the midst of those hardships, calamities. Calamities, the fifth one here is crushing. Crushing circumstances that overcome you with stress, anxiety, tension, maybe even depression where you're just stuck. It's dark. The psalmist mentions that at times it feels like the waters have risen above my neck and I can't even breathe. Thank you for the honesty there, David. Thank you for being real with us about your weakness so that uh, your strength may come in. Job, uh, you know the story of Job where God permits Satan to afflict him and even uses those afflictions for his good. And for God's good purposes to take place. And then Romans chapter 8, which we all love, verse 26, it says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Frankly, if you don't need help, then don't boast in your weaknesses. Don't boast in your weaknesses. Flip the coin, though. You want help in your weaknesses? Boast in them. Learn to boast in them. Practice boasting in them, primarily with the Lord. A prayer who comes before God and isn't boasting in their weaknesses is missing blessing, missing God's power. You're missing God's miracle. You're missing God's healing. You're missing God's touch. One quick application to to practice as we conclude here is surround yourself with the family of God as it relates to boasting in your weaknesses. Now, we all know that in some Christian communities where perhaps we found ourselves at times, it's not safe. It is not safe to admit, and this is a sad reality, but it is not safe to admit weaknesses and vulnerability. It's just not safe. 
There's a pious uh, coming across as faith. Well, just trust God that we can see right through. We can feel it. You, you know when someone loves you, right? You know it. And you know when someone's trying to force it or someone's really trying to just use you. One of my pet peeves is this phrase we use with each other. And this isn't to any of you per se, but it's more culturally. And we say it, and you all know it, and it goes, how are you? And we say, pretty good, how are you? And we answer with, pretty good. And we just kind of stay right there with each other. Pretty good, right? Mm. Oh, yeah. How's your family and them? Oh, they're pretty good. Great. How's life? Great. And we live right there. We live right there. God is inviting us to share your hurts. To share and open up about your weaknesses. That's being courageous. That's being weak so that the power of Christ may rest on you and may receive glory and God's beauty may shine through you because you're weak. That's God's plan. Look at what James says in chapter 5, verse 16. It's radical. He says, confess your sins one to another. (gasps) Pray for one another that you might be healed. That's what Christian community looks like. Not us impressing each other. Not us getting defensive about our weaknesses. Not being scared that someone's really going to find out that other part of me that's not so polished that everybody thinks I am. Intimacy is waiting. And God's power and God's blessing is so, so, so ready to flow right into that cave that we talked about earlier where those Thai boys are getting rescued. And that's how God's grace flows into that cave. Just like it would be, God's grace would be chemotherapy going into your spiritual veins, giving you his grace, his strength, his power. Let us practice that together. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for, for, for this community. I'm so grateful for this community. I'm so grateful that in this community... By God's grace, uh, we are getting the opportunity to walk alongside people who are working through and dealing with a loss of a parent. We've seen that. We've been through that. Um, Individuals who are working through same-sex attraction. Individuals who are working through mental illness. Marriage struggles. Just moving or being new to San Francisco. A job transition, moving from San Francisco. Being falsely accused at something at work that you didn't even do. Cancer, autoimmune disease. Felony charges somewhere in your past. Past imprisonment. All of these things we as a church have seen and will continue to see God's power and God's strength come into those places. Insofar as we're learning learning to live in brokenness and humility. In conclusion, I think I said that before in conclusion, and I went off for about 10 minutes. I'm sorry. This is the true conclusion. I want you to think about Caravaggio's uh, painting there, where Caravaggio is iconically depicting Jesus. Jesus has risen from the dead, and there Jesus is with his wounds, and he wants Thomas 
Remember doubting Thomas? Talk about a weakness. Ever doubted God? Ever been real enough with yourself and with God to admit and to almost boast in that weakness that you doubt God? That's what, that's what doubting Thomas did. And that's what's so beautiful about his weakness is Jesus met him after the resurrection and invited Thomas to see his wounds. He wants you to see his wounds. And he wants others to see your wounds. He wants us to share our wounds with each other. That's what it means to be vulnerable. So that we might care for each other with the same care that Christ is giving us as we minister to each other. This may feel very overwhelming, but it is a process. And we're walking by grace to live this out together. Let's pray for God's grace as we do that. Father God, we we thank you for mercy. Have mercy on us. We are so much weaker than we can even imagine. And at the same time, we're even stronger than we can even imagine because the power of Christ resting on us. We ask that you remind us of our identity, that it's not about our, our identity is not in our weaknesses. It's not even in our strengths. So in the name of Jesus, we ask you for for healing from our wounds. You're the healer. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you would be our provider. We need you to provide. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you would liberate us from pride that keeps us from boasting in our weaknesses. Display your glory. Display your beauty. Display your strength in us. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we all pray and ask it. Amen.